0: Welcome everyone to the SCORE Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Boone. Appreciate you tuning in. I know the NFL news is a little quiet at the moment, but don't worry, we're getting close here. This time next week, Rookie's gonna be reporting to training camp, and then the week after, it's on. The vets are going to be there. We're going to be back in the thick of it. So that's part of what I want to talk about today. I want to go over some of the important training camp battles that I think we're going to see at some of the positions over the next few weeks and over the next month or so, I guess. And helping me out, I got a good one. A member of that new International Dynasty League I talked about on last week's show, Adam Murphy. He's the host of the Five Yard Rush podcast, the co-author of the Fantasy Football Playbook. You can find him on Twitter at merv underscore nfl i feel like we've been talking on twitter a lot lately especially because of that draft but welcome to the show man how you doing
1: hey thanks uh, thanks for having me uh you know long time listener first time caller um (laughs) it's it's great to great to be here and it's nice that you've got two international guys uh chopping it up and, and showing the americans how it's done
0: yeah, well, that's the funny thing. When I was putting that league together, I was trying to see how many international analysts I could get, and I was wasn't sure if I was going to put myself in the international division or if I was going to put myself in sort of like a North American division. Because uh, there's, you know, we could a couple things we could have done with that, but I was happy that it worked out the way that it did. And yeah, I'm in the international division. I think this is the first time we've had a guest on from outside of North America. I hope I'm not wrong about that, but that'll probably change in the next couple months here. I'm sure I'll have some of the other international folks from, from that league on the show. And that's actually where I think we should start today. Cause I talked about it last week. I went over, we were done about 10 or 11 rounds at that point. I mainly just focused on my team. Now we're in round 17. It's moving kind of slow. Yeah. It's getting a little slower too, as we keep going here, but I expected that was going to be the case, right? we got people all around the globe. We're trying to account for so many different time zones and everything, but I picked from the three spot. You actually had the number one overall pick. You went with Patrick Mahomes. Not really a stunner there. I mean, a Superflex dynasty league. He tends to go one oh one. But give us the rundown of how you think the draft's going for you so far and how your team's shaping up.
1: Yeah, I'm not I'm not too unhappy with it. It's it's unusual for me to draft in the one spot of a startup dynasty superflex league. So I'm sitting here thinking about what to do here and, and the first obviously is is Mahomes or McCaffrey. I'm always gonna go Mahomes there. I I don't own Mahomes on too many Dynasty rosters unless I picked him up uh early on, like before he sort of hit the big time. Um so it's nice to have him and draft him. And then I came back at the at the two twelve and picked up Travis Kelsey, which I got a bit of hate from the French uh for this one, who didn't quite <laughs> understand it. And again, it's purely because I get, I just don't draft Travis Kelsey. Um, I see him there at the 212. I could draft him at the 301, right? It's the same kind of value. I kind of view the 212 as a third round pick anyway. And I'm sitting there thinking, I'm looking at the board and thinking, well, I've already got Patrick Mahomes, so we don't need to push the boundaries here on quarterback. Um, There is a running back I like here, but really I thought where I'm going to get a big positional advantage and a win now. And I'm thinking right now in the one spot, I think you've got to think about when now you've got to try and win this year. And I always think about dynasty leagues about two, three years max. I don't ever think about this whole, Oh, well in 2024, my team's going to be stacked. League <laughs> might not have, might not be playing in 2024. So, um, I always think about two years, no more than three years. So I'm thinking, okay, Mahomes. So I take Kelsey. I'm not worried, uh, about how long he will play. I think he can help me keep it up there. And then Zeke is there. So I take them both. And, I'm really happy with that sort of start. It gives me a bit of everything I kind of would want in a startup build. I don't want to invest too early in that running back, but I feel like I've got a core player there. And yeah, I, I, I really liked my opening sort of five rounds because I went Keenan Allen, uh, then Aaron Rodgers' his first pick in the fifth round. And then I trade up to get Miles Sanders, who for me at that point was the line of demarcation between startable running backs who I feel can really impact this year he was kind of the last guy on the board so I paid a bit of a premium to move up it cost me my sixth and eighth round picks I got a pick back later on but I'm happy to take him there and got him at the five nine so at that point I'm looking at my board and most people going wide receiver heavy um I've only got one wide receiver but it's Keenan Allen I'm, I'm pretty happy with that start I feel that gives me a good foundation to to fill the rest of the roster and and get what I need to to try and push through now
0: yeah, and I know you said you, you didn't have the, the sixth and the eighth round picks, but I really like your seventh round pick, Tyler Lockett. Another guy that fits right in with that win now mold, a guy who I think is just constantly undervalued in basically every form of fantasy.
1: Why why receiver twenty-nine I got him at, which I just think is is mad. Um I don't understand how he, he's come off the board there. So I'm I'm really happy to take him there. Again, for that reason. I don't think he's I think he is, as you say, criminally undervalued. I I did a show must have, I think I was looking at the consistency of last season and I'm basically saying he's DK Metcalf minus a little bit but 4 rounds cheaper. Yeah. So I don't get why you would pay up for DK Metcalf when 4 Wait, rounds. Wait, how I dare do. you?
0: I took DK Metcalf. You can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean the that... age, right? Like DK Metcalf being, you know, looking at him as like what a 23-year-old And I love grabbing those young receivers that are productive right now and who I can expect to maybe give me a decade of production on my team. I love that. So the age thing is definitely why DK is going to go go earlier um, in in a dynasty. But I know what you're saying, especially in redraft leagues right now. Like, Just hang around and grab Lockett later and take the big-time discount.
1: I think there's a few players this year where you've got very similar output. And we'll talk about one, I think. Later on, where I think you're going to get very similar productions of output, but there's massive ADP differences. And I think you just need to hold fire. And I won't have DK Metcalf on a lot of my redraft leagues this year. It's just that it's not going to happen because I'm quite happy to scoop up Lockett in the the fifth, sixth round all day long. I think that's just unbelievable value. He'll deliver what you need this year and you can concentrate on getting other positions in the second round if you need.
0: All right. I won't make you go over every single pick that you made all the way to the 17th round, but is there anybody else on your roster that you've grabbed that you're particularly excited about?
1: Uh, Jalen Rager, I think is someone who is criminally undervalued. Um, I was a bit unhappy. I wanted Robbie Anderson, who again is another place criminally undervalued, but he went the pick before um and Russell Gage again I got him at wide receiver 57 all day long I'm paying that price uh for him so I like you know I like the kind of value that... and Cam Newton quarterback 35 look I got him as my fourth QB on on the superflex roster do I believe in Cam past this year probably not but if someone's quarterback goes down, he's someone I can trade and, and get a piece for. And to take him in the 15th round, QB35, I'm quite happy. Even Sterling Shepard, I got in the 17th round at wide receiver 79. I'm like, yeah, I'll...
0: <laughs> why not? Yeah, trying to find value in these these later rounds with those receivers. There's still some names on the board where you got to make that decision, right? Like, is a guy that can come in right now and, and do something for my team, which Sterling Shepard probably is a guy in this league. I talked about it last week, starting five wide Oats, and you have a flex as well. So potentially six receivers in everyone's starting lineup. It gets pretty deep at that point, and I, I just love it. I love having the deep lineups like that. It's I so think good. it makes it way more challenging. But all right, one more question before we move on from the draft. You don't have to analyze everybody's rosters, but if you had to pick maybe the, the best steal of the draft, who has the pick that stands out more to you as that?
1: Oh, that's a really good question. I I think Rays Robbie Anderson pick at, at, at 10 11 is It was is a, a good steal. one, yeah. I'm looking at that. Um
0: and I'll say too, few... I'll, I'll I'll jump in and I'll say cuz Ray had the one that I would mention for this and it was Tua at QB 21 in the seventh round. I mean, it's a super flex dynasty startup draft to get a a quarterback that's that young, a guy who I still believe in. I know it's possible he doesn't put it all together, but I would be shocked. Even if he doesn't become a, a QB one in fantasy, I'd be shocked if he doesn't pay off at that price at QB 21. And I've talked a lot about Tua on the show. I've written about him, so we don't need to get into specifics there, but Just give the guy a chance. 23 years old. You know, he's entering just his second season. He's surrounded by weapons. They're building the offense around him now. And I am so fired up about this one. And I think this is why you mentioned Robbie Anderson, too, is because we're picking right around Ray. He's sandwiched right in between us there. And it would have been perfect for my roster build had Tua fallen to me in the seventh and could have been my QB two. I did not expect Ray to jump up and grab his third quarterback that early. And he did. He sniped me 702. He got him and I figured he was going to fall to me at 703. So great pick yeah. by Ray. And then I kind of had to pivot and I've ended up with Ryan Fitzpatrick and Teddy Bridgewater. So some more short-term guys, <laughs> short-term bridge options there for me. But yeah, I really thought I was going to get Tua.
1: No, but I think, you know, I love your Paris Campbell pick. Uh, wide receiver 64 off the board. um Love DJ Chark wide receiver 37 in the eighth round. Given his age, I you know I think there's some some really really good picks. If I looked at teams right now and said that's a team I I wouldn't mind owning, I really like Ian Hart's team. I think he's built yeah. a pretty solid roster. I mean he has gone for all the handcuff or uh, he's handcuff RB City, but. And yeah, so I many
0: think... Ohio guys, he keeps just <laughs> repping,
1: repping Ohio the whole way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but I Listen, I think this is a fascinating league. It's so many different strategies on, on board, and it, I think it's, it's just been amazing to draft with some of these people, some people I've listened to for ages and to get to draft with, but also just some of the international guys. I had Mark on our show on Monday, and we talked about this in, in more detail, and he actually lives in London, so – um a Frenchman in London uh, and I'm looking forward to actually going and having some lunch with him when he's he's currently in France at the moment um but I'll definitely have a chat with him when he's back
0: well and when we were gonna have you on the show I thought maybe we'd be able to talk about Euro today but we're not gonna mention the Euros at all we're <laughs> not even gonna talk about it even for a minute here we'll keep <laughs> pressing forward let's get into the main topic training camp battles we can go back and forth here. We can just toss out ones that we're particularly interested in, maybe give our prediction for how we think it's going to work out, but we're looking at position battles that we think could have a, a big impact on fantasy this year. So I'll let you go first. Who you got?
1: Well, I'm looking at this Jags wide receiver battle. And you know, the the one thing is I see a lot of people talking about LaVisca Chenault at the moment in a positive way. And I just can't see, I can't see a path to him this season where he's going to come off in, in a good light. I mean, Everyone's really excited about the Jags. Everyone's really excited. It's Trevor Lawrence. It's Urban Meyer. You know, this team is terrible, right? The reason they got Trevor Lawrence is that it's a terrible team. <laughs> Shaq is 39 and 105 <laughs> in, in, in nine years or eight years. Um, they have the most expensive offensive line. You look at what they did and you think they put a lot of money on that offensive line. That's a below average offensive line. It's the most of, It's the most expensive offensive line in the league and it's below average. So I'm kind of, i kind of looking at the Jags and I'm thinking, yeah, okay, they've got Trevor Lawrence. There's a bit of optimism there, but am I really that excited about what's going on here? But I do care because it's a really ambiguous situation. You've got a new head coach who hasn't done it in the NFL, hasn't even been a coordinator in the NFL. You know, we know what he's done in college, but very, very different to step up there. Yep. And then you've got, you know, Trevor Lawrence, you've got everything that goes with that. And they've got some weapons, that you know, interesting Marvin Jones, DJ Chark, we've talked about I really like DJ Chark, um, and I think he's a huge discount. Um, but then you're getting people like really excited about Leviska Chennault and Travis Etienne. I I'll never understand why they went Travis Etienne in the first round. It makes absolutely no sense to me. And I'm, I'm looking at this battle, and I'm looking at the wide receivers, and I'm trying to make sense of it. And I'm thinking, okay, knowing what I know about Obermeyer offenses, he likes to run the ball, he likes to you know, really draw out drives. High play volume drives. Spread offences. Low depth of target. Quarterbacks of the mobile. All of this just spells for me that Chennault is and, and the draft capital in Etienne especially. Just doesn't look good for, for Chenault for me. I mean, you got 79 targets this, last year. I can't see him getting anywhere near that this year. I think they'll run less plays. I think they'll run um, less passing offence, believe it or not, than than they did last year. So I think, you know, Jones and Chark will get theirs on the outside. I think Etienne is going to swallow up a lot of Chenault's role. I think Robinson is going to play a lot of the first downs. Hyde's going to be in there, muddle it. But I don't think, I don't think Etienne is going to be this workhorse. And I think Chenault is a guy who's basically going to be on the, on the outside looking in. And that's, that's the camp battle. I'm really interested in And Maybe this might change in the preseason, but for me, Right now, looking at what I know of Urban Meyer and what I'm looking at the team, I'm very concerned about that many legitimate pieces other than maybe Chark. Jones is worth a punt. I don't really want to buy Etienne at his price. I don't think he's going to get enough volume there. Um, and I think Robinson's being overdrafted. I kind of look at it all right now and think I want to fade most of it, except for Chark and maybe Jones. But Chenault, especially. I think if you're drafting him, you need to probably stop.
0: Yeah, and it's a valid point that, you know, everybody wants to look towards, you know, what's the highest possible outcome? What's the best case scenario here? But we've seen a lot of offenses turning into, you know, the spread the ball around, get everybody involved. We could see that in Jacksonville. So even though we're looking at it and going, I'm not so concerned about the new coaching staff as I am just looking at it going, Trevor Lawrence is going to be a, you know, much better quarterback situation for them. And if he ends up being that kind of Andrew Luck guy, Maybe he is the tide that lifts all boats, but maybe it's lifting all boats equally. And maybe there isn't going to be that one guy that's getting a ton of volume when you look at that receiving core and the different weapons they brought in. And when you look at the running backs there and the fact that, you know, James Robinson and even, man, Carlos Hyde still, it kind of scares me that Urban Meyer could continue to get Carlos Hyde involved there. That would just be a nightmare. I can see Sundays during football season, everyone on Twitter just complaining about why on earth did Carlos Hyde just get that goal line carry or something like that. Um, Um, And I think on that, I think Trevor Lawrence is, is, I reckon he could be
1: used in a very similar fashion to Josh Allen in that, in that red zone. So I think if you combine Lawrence vulturing touchdowns and then you add Carlos Hyde potentially vulturing touchdowns, where are the touchdowns for Travis Etienne that his ADP is kind of demanding right now? I can't see a clip after it. That's my, that's my real big concern of what's going on with that offense.
0: All right. Well, my first one here is also, you know, kind of involving a rookie like we just talked about with Trevor Lawrence, Uh, Trey Sermon and Raheem Mostert and the 49ers backfield. And I know you took Mostert later in the draft, so, you know, I don't know how you'll feel about this one. But when you look at him, as much as he has that upside, he's also really struggled to stay healthy whenever he's been put in that lead back role or been given more touches. No question. He is unbelievably explosive one of the fastest in-game players in the league and kind of i guess you could call it a breakout in 2019 he had Mm -hmm. over 950 yards had 10 touchdowns that year but you know he just continuously gets nicked up you know last year only played eight games only found the end zone three times and so the 49ers decided they were going to go get some reinforcements they were going to grab trey sermon he profiles as a guy who can be the workhorse they traded up to get him six feet tall, 215 pounds, had some monster college performances. You have Jeff Wilson go down and the timetable there, it's like four to six months, which could put him back middle of the season, but it's also an injury that could keep him out all year. You have Mostert already dealing with what the team called a minor knee issue that kept him out of OTAs. So that's concerning for a guy who, you know already we were worried about his durability. And it gave Sermon a chance to really shine in minicamp. And that's what the beat writers said happened. You know, he didn't look out of place getting reps with the first team. We know Kyle Shanahan sets up his running backs for success in real life and in fantasy, some huge fantasy years from their offenses. So I expect that Sermon is going to be a big riser throughout training camp and the preseason. And, you know, as long as Mostert's healthy, it will be some sort of split. But I think that split would be more of Sermon being the, you know, sustaining back with Mostert turning into the overqualified change of pace guy. And Mostert, I don't feel like enough people mention this. He's 29 years old, and I know there's not a lot of tread on the tires, but he is a little bit older there. um, And that factors in, especially when you're talking about a guy that we might need to bounce back from some of these injuries. You know, the older he is, the harder that could be. And then I think just a few other things to mention here, 49ers have the 11th easiest fantasy schedule for running backs this year by my metric. And if you go look at their late season schedule, the Bengals, the Falcons, the Titans, and the Texans over the last four weeks of the fantasy season. So whoever is starting in that backfield could absolutely be a league winner. I think it's going to be Sermon. I don't know. Do you think it's going to be Mostert?
1: I I think it's going to be a combination of of everybody to to be honest the one i i'm more worried about than anyone is Trey Lance when he gets his chance because i do think Trey Lance could have an impact on what happens to all of them but no i i think i think it's a i think especially if you're looking at the back end of the the schedule i can't see moster uh, holding on i think i think at some point all of these backs are going to be relevant i think Gorman's going to have a top 12 week I think, uh, yeah, as you say, most, uh, if Wilson comes back, I think, I think that's the problem with the Carl Shanahan offense. You, you you kind of have to really earn the job in order to keep it for more than a couple of games. And I think the only, the only stopping of Sermon is there's so many capable guys there with the scheme. Do they try and just use him week in, week out? Or do they restrict the role and give it to someone down the stretch? And I guess a lot of that's going to come into where they are in the division battle if they're building for next year that could also mean that sermon might be someone who's not used because it doesn't look like most going to be there past the season so maybe they give the carries to Mostert at the end of the season that's my only thing on it but i love sermon i think he's going to be a terrific player in the nfl and if he doesn't do it this year I right, i think next year everyone should buy in
0: well, and while we're on the 49ers here, I'll I'll jump ahead. I'll sort of cut the line and give my, my second one here because they kind of grouped a bunch of them together. Uh, Trey Lance versus Garoppolo, Justin Fields versus Andy Dalton, Mac Jones versus Cam Newton. You know, it's the rookie QBs against the Vets. I will say I'm very excited for Lance and Fields in the later rounds in redraft leagues. I think these guys are going to fall a little further and they're guys that as soon as they get in the starting lineup could put up really big numbers. I don't care what the coaching staff says right now. They just want the rookie to earn the job. I went over that a few weeks back and I talked about kind of what Matt Nagy said when it came to the Fields Dalton thing. And you really could look through what he was saying. He kept leaving, you know, doors open that, you know, well, but we'll see what was, you know, that kind of stuff. He was really hedging. Um, I won't be surprised that both Lance and Fields are starting in week one. And if it's not week one, it's going to be pretty soon after that. And then Mac Jones, He's also going to get that job eventually this year, I think. Um, but I think he's going to be more of a 2QB option because he doesn't have that same upside as as Lance and Fields, who could be starters right away with that rushing ability and with the quality weapons around them in the offense. So while we were talking about the 49ers, I figured I might as well just sneak that, that Trey Lance one in there.
1: No, I love it. I, I think Trey Lance, I mean, their bye week is six. So I think by week seven, the job's his if it isn't already. I think that's the latest that Trey Lance will start as QB. I think he has every chance to try and win the job early. I think, you know, they could still move Garoppolo on. That's still something that can happen. But I think worst case scenario, if you're drafting Lance very late in a redraft, as long as you've got someone capable early on, I think you can feel comfortable having him as someone that for your fantasy playoffs, as you mentioned, that schedule... That's also a pretty good passing schedule on it as well. <laughs> I think uh, I think that Trey Lance could be someone that could be potentially a league winner for you in redraft if you just take him in the last round or something like that.
0: All right. I skipped ahead. Who's who's mm-hmm. your second camp battle here?
1: Well, I, I'm going to represent my Buccaneers here, and I'm going to talk about the wide receivers here because it, it, it seems to be that with ADP-wise, people are a little bit confused with what's going on. So you're looking at Evans, Godwin, and NAB. I don't understand why Antonio Brown's ADP is so low. Yes. Okay. He's got issues. He could just flip at a moment's notice. And if that's why his ADP is, you know, three rounds too low, then fair enough. But I can't I look at how that offense is, is put together and, and run. And I cannot understand Chris Godwin's in particular ADP. So, you know, the way I look at this offense, you, you've got Evans. Evans is going to lead this team in targets. He's going to lead the team in touchdowns. He's going to lead the team in yards, unless he goes down with injury. And he does get some injuries, but this guy is probably having the quietest start to a Hall of Fame career that, that anyone's yeah. ever had. Seven thousand yard seasons he's had to start his career. Um, and he, he, you know, his contested catch rate is is high. He he wins everything. I think he's a phenomenal athlete. And more importantly, when the bucket is put the ball outside, it's only going to Evans or it's going to Scotty Miller. Scotty Miller's only getting 50-odd targets. So, you know, two-thirds of the time, Mike Evans is going to be targeted the ball when it goes outside and it goes deep. So he's got no competition for his role. And we know he's delivered time and time again. And he's a team guy. This is a guy who restructures his deals so others get paid. He's a leader in the dressing room, he's been there all the time. Everyone loves Mike Evans. Mike Evans' role is as secure as anything. People were worried that can Tom Brady get in the ball? We've seen it. It happens. It's fine. So then you have what's going on on the inside here. And I don't understand how you've got Chris Godwin going where he is with his ADP on that sort of wide receiver 18-4-5 turn. And maybe people are looking at what he did under the Bruce Arians offense before Tom Brady turned up. But this was also before AB turned up ab's going a wide receiver 40 9 10 turn he's going off i think ab's going to have more targets i think ab is going to have i mean if you look at down the stretch you look at down the stretch when they had their target numbers going down i mean first of all across the season and ab was suspended for eight games uh, he only finished with 23 less targets (laughs) across the season i know god we missed a couple of games he was a bit banged up but Ab missed half a season but The only time that Chris Godwin in those last seven games out targeted Antonio Brown was in Week 10. In every other game, oh sorry, Week 16, but in every other game Antonio Brown got significantly more targets, and I think that's going to continue. I think that Chris Godwin is on the franchise tag. He has seen Kenny Galladay get 18 million and thinking, well, I've won a ring, I've been to the, I've been the Pro Bowl, I've probably got better stats than Kenny Galladay and he's getting 18 million a year. The Buccaneers aren't going to pay him 18 million a year. It's not going to happen. So I can't see Chris Godwin on the Buccaneers roster in 2022. And I think they'll look at him and go, "We'll give you, we'll give you your, your targets." But I can't see a path to, I can't see a path to 90 targets, let alone 100 plus. I think he's getting maybe 80 at a push. I'm not drafting a wide receiver that high. I'm just not going to draft a wide receiver on that turn on that sort of four or five turn who's only going to get 80 targets and i think that's what he's looking at i think ab is going to get a similar amount maybe even slightly more targets i don't think they're going to be very far apart and again i go back to this discount why pay up for the guy when you can get almost the same guy four or five rounds later that's what you're getting with antonio brown you're basically getting chris godwin five rounds later so Yeah, I'm fading Godwin this year. In Dynasty, different aspect, because he could go on to a great offense. You're buying a bit of risk there, but I don't think he's on this buck in his roster in 2022. And then you're seeing where he lands, and he could go be an extreme alpha somewhere. But this year, I think it's sticky for him.
0: Yeah, I think his numbers, and, and I'll just repeat what you said at one point there, that he was a little banged up last year, right? I think that's something that we have to take into account. But really, the main takeaway, and I think you nailed it, is... All three of these guys should be going fairly high, in my opinion, because I think Brady. I put out my my bold predictions column yesterday, and one of them was that I think Brady, even though he doesn't run the ball, and everybody wants these dual threat quarterbacks now, I think Brady could be a top five fantasy quarterback this year because I think they're going to throw the ball like crazy, and they got all these great weapons, including Gronk, including even bringing in like Gio Bernard in the backfield, a guy that you know they could throw to there. So. Um, yeah, I, I think it's, it's really gonna be a great passing offense. And I think AB is very, very underrated this season, but I do still believe that Godwin could maybe not put up the numbers that he put up in 2019, but have a nice bounce back year. Cause on a per game basis last year, when you, if you put it on pace, he was still on pace for a pretty good season uh, last year. So I think just overall invest in that Bucks offense and I know you love them and I don't want to continuously say nice things about the Bucks but you know they they definitely came through last season and I think it's going to be another great fantasy offense this season. And since you're going to be a homer and talk about the Bucks, I'm going to be a homer and talk about the Bills for my next one here. Emmanuel Sanders, Cole Beasley and Gabe Davis, what is going to happen in that receiving core behind stefan diggs we know diggs is the absolute alpha in that offense now but i think there could be some value in that receiving core behind him and i went over this pretty thoroughly in the last 24 hours because in that dynasty league that we're in in that draft in the 17th round i wanted to take either emmanuel sanders or cole beasley just to try to pair them with josh allen who was my first overall pick and see what kind of value I could get. So I really dove into them more than I had all offseason. And we got to mention the Beasley stuff. You know, he went on that crazy Twitter rant. He said he won't get vaccinated. He doesn't want to follow the COVID protocols this season. Even went as far as to say that he might retire because of it. Now, he's a 32-year-old receiver coming off a broken leg. You know, there's a lot to unpack here. It's not just the COVID stuff. But I would guess that I think this is going to get sorted out I think he is going to end up playing. I think maybe it got a little, you know, over sensationalized. People go crazy on Twitter about that stuff. But the risk here, there is some risk that he gets cut. Um, that could happen, you know, or that he does choose to retire. Those, those things are possibilities we have to factor in. But if he plays, which I believe he's going to, I still see Sanders as the better option in 2021. And Beasley's been a, a top 37 fantasy wideout each of the last two seasons on a point per game basis. He was the wide receiver 31 in 2020, wide receiver 37 in 2019, definitely has a connection with Allen, but the upside is limited for a volume dependent slot guy, right? He's never going to be a wide receiver one. You know, he's going to really have a hard time even getting into that wide receiver two range because he's the volume dependent slot guy. Now, Sanders, 34 years old, so he's older, but he's stepping into that John Brown role. And remember, Brown was hurt. He was sidelined for a big part of last year. But in the nine games he played, he went over 70 yards in five of them. And it really, we should only talk about it as eight games played because he only played 46% of the snaps in week three. He didn't record a catch in that game. That was when he was banged up. So if we treat it as eight games, Brown was on pace for 66 receptions, 916 yards, and six touchdowns. That would have made him a top 30 fantasy wideout at the end of the year. Sanders stepping into that role i highly recommend checking out matt waldman's gut check article on sanders that just came out at football guys because he breaks down how even at 34 years old sanders hasn't lost a step he brings similar speed to brown he offers more in terms of route running and versatility he can line up inside or outside and the coaching staff they confirm that too right brian dable said Exactly that when he was asked about Sanders, that he could play inside, outside, they can move him around the formation. And then you have beat writer Joe Biscaglia, who believes, and he said this, and it kind of got, you know, made some waves in the fantasy industry that Diggs and Sanders are going to be the top two wideouts on the team. And I agree. I think Sanders will play over Gabe Davis. I think that's why they brought him in, not because they don't feel good about Gabe Davis long term but just they wanted, you know, a, a more sure thing that, you know, trustworthy vet that they could play right now when they're in this Super Bowl window. And then Beasley's going to be the slot guy. So, you know, I think Sanders is going to have the second most snaps in that receiving core, and if everyone's healthy, I see Sanders as the second most valuable fantasy asset in that group. And if Zach Ertz ends up in Buffalo, I'll have to reassess the projections, but we could get some answers on the Ertz thing soon on the Beasley situation, on just how you know Sanders is gonna be using that offense. All those answers are coming during training camp and that's why I'm I'm very excited to see that. But I would be putting a chip on Sanders as a very intriguing late round value in my opinion.
1: Love it. I I yeah, I'm with you hundred percent. I can't see Beasley being overly relevant. I think too much too much stuff and I think even just even the protocol stuff I think will just make it difficult for him. I just think it will get to the point where it's like it's just not worth it. With what we need to do, because the way that teams are favored with this protocol aspect and having 85% of players vaccinated, I think it's, if you're going to have a guy who's just going to, you know, not do that. And, you know, whatever you decide to choose, whether you be vaccinated or not, there's a benefit for the teams to have players vaccinated. So anyone's going to get in the way of that could be a bit of an issue. So well,
0: and his attitude just sounded like somebody that was kind of not interested in dealing with any of it, right? Like he just kind of seemed like he was out on the whole thing that he didn't want to go through all those protocols and maybe didn't think it was fair and that sort of stuff. And at and he even said it his at the point of his career that he's at right now, he's in a different situation where he's made a decent amount of money, and if he has to walk away from the game, he would potentially be willing to do that. So it, it's a possibility. It's one that you know. Either way, it works out. I'm probably not going to be overly excited because I do think he's a valuable member of that receiving core for the Bills. I would like to see him on the team. And, you know, it could also, even if he is there, we could have a situation, you know, the nightmare for the Bills fans would be leading up to the Super Bowl, which they're obviously going to make it to this year. You know, Beasley ends up, you know, contracting something and then you have a bunch of guys who have to sit out because of it. So, you know, we don't want to see that happen at all.
1: We really don't. (laughs) 100%. <laughs> when
0: it's when it's Bucks Bills in the Super Bowl, which we almost <laughs> got last year.
1: That's what we wanted.
0: Alright, I know we're running short on time here. You got another one you want to throw out there yeah, quick? Yeah,
1: let's let's talk about the Saints situation. Um let's talk about the quarterback, let's talk about Jameis Winston and, and Taysom Hill. And, you know, people are sitting there and they're like, oh well everyone was I think was quite bullish at the start that that Winston was was gonna get the job, and now there seems to be a lot more sort of negativity naysayers are going just not sure and it's going to be a straight up camp battle I don't think you are necessarily going to have to worry too much about too much Taysom Hill and in fact enjoy the ADP holidays you're getting on all these Saints players because of this ambiguity (laughs) with you know Kamara is not going to be going 6-7 once they announce that Winston's going to start Michael Thomas won't be a third round pick once they announce Winston's going to start but you know if you if you're really unsure, just go back to what Sean Payton does. Let's look at experience. You know, James Winston. Whether you like him, you lump him, whatever. You know, at the end of the day, he has started seventy NFL games. Taysom Hill has started four. Winston has the eighth highest amount of yards thrown in a season by a quarterback in history. Five thousand one hundred nine yards in twenty nineteen. Yes, okay, he threw thirty interceptions. But you you really think, you know, Jameis Winston is a guy with pedigree, with talent. He ended up having three different offensive coordinators in those five years with the Buccaneers. And, you know, at the end of the day, nobody was telling Jameis Winston, you can't do this. You need to stop doing this. No one was actually coaching Jameis Winston. You know, coaches were getting hired based on how they dealt with him and effectively james winston had all the power he was the face of the franchise he was the number one pick he had more power than any of the coaches and the coaches you know like Dirk cutter was massively afraid to stand up to james winston and tell him he couldn't do something and i think that's where you know sean Payton doesn't have that problem he's 15 years in it's his system it's his it's his club really at the end of the day he has that control and he's the guy that will coach this out of winston you know and We've all seen what happens when Taysom Hill starts. You've got Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara is the center of that entire offense. It's not the quarterback. Alvin Kamara is the most important piece of that team. And if you can't use him because of the way that Taysom Hill is being used, it's not going to work. And Sean Payton won't do that. Sean Payton likes to throw the football. He likes to get the ball downfield. And then with Hill under center, they scored 24 or fewer points in three of the four games that he played last season. When it came to Drew Brees, it, he, he scored more than 24 points in 11 of the 13 games. So, yes, okay, Taysom Hill won three games, good for him, but they they didn't get the points. And that's, you know, they're in a tight division now. They've had that division sewn up for years. The Buccaneers are the reigning Super Bowl champions. They're going to need to win, uh, they're going to need to find a path to win 10, 11 games. That path really is not going to be with Taysom Hill. It is going to be predicated on what. Jameis Winston does under center and it will be his job to lose. Now, if Jameis Winston throws 15 interceptions in the first half of the season, <laughs> he might lose the job, but in the first half of the season, I'm, I'm, I will be absolutely flabbergasted if anyone other than Jameis Winston starts for the, for the New Orleans Saints week one. And I think by now, anyone in that Saints offense by Kamara, his price by Thomas at his price, because those, those ADPs are going to jump significantly once we all, finally get told that Winston's going to start because I tell you now it's the worst kept secret in football he is definitely starting week one
0: yeah that's a great breakdown you you said it all there and in our dynasty league where I was kind of scrounging trying to find that QB2 Jameis was definitely on my mind the problem is I have a lot of dynasty shares of Jameis and I didn't really want to pick up another one so I kind of let him go by but I might end up regretting that because yeah it could work out really well if you know if Peyton can get control of him and if they can you know, kind of rein him in from some of those things that he was doing in the past, like you talked about. Uh, I know you got to go. I'll mention a few here quick before we go. Uh, The Jets backfield, Michael Carter, Tevin Coleman, Ty Johnson, Um, you know, I think it's going to be interesting with that 49ers coaching staff coming over that this isn't kind of the same old Jets group there. And, you know, they have a new quarterback, this new offensive system, major upgrades to the receiving core, Corey Davis, Elijah Moore, the offensive line is better. I mean, there's so much I'm trying to go through it quick here, but, you know, Carter is a solid pass catcher. Coleman, I think, is a little past his prime, and then Johnson's kind of the wild card who flashed late last season, so I'm grabbing shares of, really, of Carter and and Johnson, uh, just in case. Um, you know, some other ones we could talk about, the Lions receiving core. Somebody has to be the number one receiver there, right? So keep an eye out for that and see who emerges between Quintus Cephas and Amunra St. Brown, and then the veterans in Brashad Perriman and Tyrell Williams. And then another quarterback uh, battle that we didn't talk about, Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. Um, Not because I think they're going to be fantasy options, but I think we want to keep an eye out for what this is going to mean for that Denver offense as a whole. And Bridgewater, I think, is going to be the guy that wins that. I mean, and we saw him last year support three top 25 fantasy wideouts. So even though Teddy's ceiling as a, a fantasy asset isn't that high he can do enough with those weapons that they have in Denver to kind of keep them on track. And their late season schedule is another really great one. Um, You know, the Lions are in there. The Raiders are in there. The Chargers are in there. Um, They got a really nice stretch from week 14 to week 17. So I've been grabbing a lot of Javante Williams, even though he's not really, I don't think that's a camp battle we have to worry about because I think it's going to be his job. But uh, yeah, I've been been grabbing a lot of those Broncos players because I think they're going to do some damage late in the season. But I will call the show there. I know you got to head out that's all for today. Before we sign off, Murph, you said you wanted to do a quick giveaway for a few digital copies of the Fantasy Football Playbook, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, so first of all, Justin, thanks for having me on. I've, I've loved every minute and I uh, hope we can do this again uh, soon. And in terms of the the playbook, yeah, so we've got five, five copies to give away. So all you've got to do, really simple, if you've enjoyed – um Some of the points of view that we've talked about, and you want to talk about it with me some more, and you've enjoyed some of the breakdowns I've given, give me a follow at murph underscore nfl on Twitter. um I'm gonna pick five people. I'm gonna put them in a wheel of names. Anyone that follows me between now and a week today, so give you time to listen to the podcast. whether you listen to it immediately, like you should be, or where it's over the weekend um i'll draw that a week today and anyone that follows me between now and and this time next week so you know evening time my time on on thursday night next week um you might get a, a message a dm from me saying send me your email address i'll send you a copy of the book because i like to think it's it's good you were kind enough to to have a copy and give me your thoughts and i think it would just help a lot of people get some strategy to uh, do well in their leagues and just get that roster construction and. Uh, strategy pieces down, plus some great profiles on the rookies that that Stocks did. He did an amazing job with those.
0: Yeah, and even if there wasn't a free digital copy of the fantasy football playbook, people should be following you anyway. At Murph underscore NFL, come on, get on it, everybody! Uh, anything else you want to plug before you get out here? Uh, we
1: got our FFCC tournament, uh, which is yep. getting ready to kick off. We're giving away. We have literally one spot. You're in it. Uh, a lot of great fantasy analysts are in it. It's a straight bracket style knockout competition. There is literally, and I mean literally one spot left in that competition. I dropped how you can win it on uh, Monday's episode of the five yard rush podcast. And if you've never listened to the five yard rush podcast, please listen on Monday. It's episode 400 of the podcast. And I have a blockbuster guest, uh, one of the greats of the industry joining me for that. So. Um, yeah, and we're doing a lot of great things. Visit the website, fiverrush.co.uk. Listen to the pod. We've just launched an IDP podcast, if you're into that. We've got Dynasty Pods. We've got DFS. We've got everything covered. A lot of different content. We've got a pretty much a podcast almost every day of the week during the week. So lots going on here on this side of the pond. We're not just leaving it all to the big boys to put out the content
0: (laughs) well like you said before i'm glad we're finally able to do this man i know i always enjoy coming on your show it's fun every time we hang out and sounds like i think we're going to be doing that again in august i think maybe i'll be coming on your show but you know we can stay tuned to see when when exactly that'll be but uh for now make sure you're checking out the nfl fantasy news section on the score app that's where you are going to find all my content follow me on twitter at justin boone I put out the backup RB rankings this week. I put out the seven bold predictions for the season. We got a 12-team mock draft going up soon with my analysis after every round. And next week, I'll be putting out the players who are going to lead you to a fantasy title. So that's one to keep an eye out for. Until next time, though, big thanks again to Murph. Big thanks to everybody out there for listening. And we will see you next time. Sid leave on time. My baby said leave on time on time with me tonight, I said leave
1: on time.